Hello and welcome to the First Class Fitness Podcast with myself, Jack Brown and Marcus Biles. Before we get started, we just want to obviously say thank you to everyone who has listened to podcast number one. Um, we're fast approaching 100 views, so everyone who has listened to that, thank you very much. Um, if you haven't, go ahead and check out the first podcast and obviously uh, give podcast number two a listen as well. Um, today's topic is going to be about Adele and her transformation and also body image um, and how many of us are looking at our own body images and others um, in sort of this uh, 21st century now. Great introduction, Jack. Yes. Oh, that yes. was fantastic. I've practiced it quite a few times. Yeah. <laughs> this, that's how you spend your weekend with yeah. practicing that intro, wasn't it? Yeah. So, should we, should we kick straight in? Let's kick straight in, yeah. Let's let's start on the topic of Adele um, and her sort of weight loss transformation, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, and what I basically got from it is, um, I first looked at it and thought, absolutely amazing, which it is, um, which is what we want to see people doing. Um, but obviously she's a very impressionable female, um, has sort of 37 million Instagram followers, and she basically broke the news of her transformation on Instagram to sort of that many people. Um, and then I sort of dove in deeper into the sort of topic and um, what she's done is brilliant, but there's also some underlying stuff that we want to talk about now. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it was her 32nd birthday, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Yeah, she announced it on her 32nd birthday. And like you said, seven stone, in two years is a fantastic amount of weight to lose. When we look at someone being overweight and obese, the health conditions that come alongside it, type two diabetes, which is big in the news at the moment because of the link with COVID-19, and lots of other health conditions that come with being overweight and obese, it's fantastic to lose seven stone in two years. So like you said, straight away, you, I looked at it and was like, oh, well done Adele, that's fantastic. In all honesty, she was unrecognisable to me. Yeah, I had to go back through with my wife and gone to it, Google Images and type in Adele to to remember what she looked like because it was yeah. it was so mammoth in terms of since I seen her because she doesn't post a lot on Instagram. I looked on her Instagram feed and I don't follow her, but she doesn't post much. Mm -hmm. So I think her last five posts were all from last year. You know that was like her first one of this year. So she's obviously been concentrating and focusing on that a lot, which is nothing wrong with. And if someone said to me I'd lost seven stone in two years, my initial thought is, oh, that's a good amount of time to lose it. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Like that's three and a half stone a year, which in my opinion is consistent weight loss. And, you know, I know people who have lost that a lot quicker mm -hmm. and done it a lot more um, unhealthily, so to speak, which yeah. is what we're going to delve into now. So first of all, you know, Adele's not going to listen to this, but if she was listening, yeah. first of all, I'd say, like to say, well done. Fantastic. And mm -hmm. hopefully that will inspire many others to, to do the same would you agree yeah yeah certainly um but then obviously delving into it um there was different articles and posts online about how she done this and obviously whether these are true or not um some of the sources obviously not as respectable as others um certain newspapers etc yeah um but when we go into it she basically she had a pt or he was a pt she had a pt for four years but this was before she moved to america okay which is when she's so the transformation is 2018 to 2020 and initially i looked it up because i was intrigued by did she have a personal trainer because of our industry mm -hmm. and she did and he's wrote a lot about it since but in my opinion he's wrote a lot about it since just to put his name out there yeah but he pt'd her up until 2016 okay which was two years before she started this transformation yeah so i don't think we can really count him 
in, in this at all unless he highly educated her in the meantime which then she utilized but that's not for us to say yes or no to yeah um, but basically what is being reported is that she had done a, um, a restricted sort of calorie diet which I think is good to notice that these papers have put in the calorie part a lot of the times in social media now there's a lot of these diets and there's no mention of calories whatsoever that's um, a really good point which is what we try to say to our clients at the end calories are king um, they are going to dictate whether you lose weight um, or lose body fat put on weight um, or sort of retain that same um, so what is good is that that has been put in um, the only problem with that is the amount of calories that she's been she's been eating as such yeah, so it's been reported that she was having a thousand calories for three days and a thousand five hundred for four days, which doing quick maths we've totaled up to roughly one thousand one hundred and fifty calories a day, which in our opinion, for what would have been her body weight most of the time, yeah, is severely low. Yeah, drastically low compared to what she should be having. Yeah, um, and just on that, um, just for the listeners if for instance you had a client like that and they come to you or if you were to put a client on that um, calorie intake for that amount of time over sort of a two to four week period or however long this has gone on for um, just some of the health implications that that can cause yeah so no, it's, a, it's a good question and you know what let's let's make this really relatable yeah is at the moment it would suppress your immune system yeah making you more at risk to COVID-19 of course so I just think that's a really relatable point at, at right now mm -hmm. is that when we go into a severe deficit of calories even when we're in a just a deficit altogether you have to remember that we are stressing the body out and stress on the body acutely i.e short term is always a good thing when we train we stress the body acutely when we have a coffee when we get in a cold shower we stress the body acutely they're not bad things but when we have what's called chronic stress on the body which is long-term stress which would be a calorie deficit for a very long period of time that chronic stress can cause other health implications. And we have to be aware of that as a coach. Mm -hmm. And we should be educating our clients, which we do, and other personal trainers and coaches should be educating their clients on if you stay in a severe calorie deficit for a long time, there are many health implications and the suppression of the immune system would just be one, okay? The other side of things I would straight away move on to is the mental side of things. Because to do that is a lot of mental strain, a lot of willpower, and what is that going to do to the individual mentally over that long period yeah. of time? I would ask questions of how that's going to affect them. Especially for someone of Adele, if she, you know, I don't think she was touring at the time, but I'm sure she's probably making music. Um, like you say, being in a deficit, you're basically giving your body less calories than it needs to, um, it needs to obviously carry out each everyday task, which is why we start burning into fat stores. Um, but there's that fatigue, tiredness, it then starts to affect your everyday life, your working life. Yeah, cognitive function. So yes. just, you know, we need calories for the brain. We need the brain to function. And, you know, that will, that lower calorie diet will start affecting your cognitive function, which isn't going to do a, potentially isn't going to do a music career any favours or benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so just touched on that. So obviously we've established that although the, um, these articles have said it's to do with calories, um, but looking at it as PTs, um, as coaches, it's not something that we would advise our clients to. So if we were, if Adele was here or listening, um, and we were to get her on a weight loss plan, just so our listeners would know, what would we do instead? Great question. And we would always look at someone's body weight first and work out their BMR. So what's called their basal metabolic rate. And the basal metabolic rate is basically how many calories they would need a day if they just sat still. So their body would need a specific amount of calories just for all the internal processes, digestion, etc. 
So once we've worked that out, we would then work out how generally active they are. And there's basically something called a calorie calculator that we're putting onto our website at the moment so anyone can go on there and utilize. And we utilize a specific one and then we work out from their BMR and how active they are on a daily basis, how many calories they'll need to lose weight or maintain or gain weight. Now it's important to understand that these calculators are never 100% correct. No, it's correct. a trial and error. It's well. a trial and error. And we generally, and our calorie calculator, generally works off a 15% deficit if someone wants to lose weight. So just in terms of, so what does that mean? So they, their overall calorie intake for the day, they would be in a deficit of 15%, which I think you would correct. say Correct, so is... let's say, let's say, you know, you know, it's all done on height and weight, so we can't start spurting out numbers, but let's just say the typical female usually to lose weight sits somewhere between 2,000 and 1,600, mm -hmm. as you'll be fully aware. We'll usually put them somewhere between there, dependent. That'll put them in a 15% deficit, which means they'll very gradually lose body fat. And hopefully, because they're only slightly into a deficit, maximum 15%, they won't lose muscle tissue or much of it. You're always going to lose a little bit when you're losing weight because you just can't 100% lose fat and lose no water and muscle mass and all these other things that occur with being in a deficit. But you'd lose maximum fat, minimal muscle. And therefore, again, because it's a small deficit, it won't affect your fatigue, your alertness, your tiredness, your cognitive function. You won't get these other health conditions or be... Um, you know, an increased chance of, of getting those health conditions. Yeah. So yeah, what I've seen a lot of people say about this, similar to what we've been saying, is it's fantastic what Adele's done, but later on down the line, one, two years down the line, it is going to be interesting now to see if all of this weight loss um, now turns into weight gain. Yeah. And if not, put on more, which is a lot of the times what we see with these low-calorie diets is you've restricted the body so much, um, it then goes sort of the opposite way. Yeah in sort of uh, months and years to come. Yeah, if she's been following something that's very strict and re very, um, you know, very rigorous, the, the, the worry is that then when she goes to back to normality, touring again, mm -hmm. more, you know, because she's been living in America and not touring as much, when she goes back to touring again and works more stressful and she can't do that same, continue that same diet, what will happen then? Will she lose control? And because she hasn't found a, found a balanced approach to her nutrition and diet will she struggle to maintain that weight loss exactly that. and that's what so many diets teach people um you know i'm not going to set a name any but they teach people to have this real strict routine to lose weight and then they put it back on when they come off that strict routine and then in their head the only thing they know is that that lot made them lose weight so then they go and do it again yeah um so they suddenly have this very closed mindset it's very much one extreme to the other isn't it yeah and it becomes very fixed um and that will be a huge worry and not only that you've just brought a real big point to my mind is that she will probably now struggle with more stress because she knows that everyone is thinking this as well mm -hmm. and that's quite sad actually yeah. she's got 37 million followers who are now thinking oh i wonder if she's going to gain weight now almost just sitting on the fence yeah waiting which is is a lot of stress to handle in my opinion yeah and let's talk about now let's sort of swiftly not sort of moving on slightly um you notice that she obviously posted to 37 million people um in terms of body image now and this changing due to social media she's had a very very big impression with that post on a lot of probably young females young males um millions of people across the world with that post in terms of social media now and how it's sort of evolving body image is evolving and how we perceive ourselves and others yeah 
um, in comparing ourselves to others all the time. Mm. Um, just sort of a little point on this that, that you feel has changed being in the industry over the last sort of seven years. Yeah, because I think it's fair to say when I came into the industry, I don't think, I don't think Instagram had maybe just come out. It wasn't at all for, for business owners at that point, put it that way. Facebook had been around for a while, for a fair amount of time, you know, I'm 29. But Instagram was very new. Um, it might have not even been out when I started personal training. It wasn't a big thing then. We have to remember now that body image is, we used to compare ourselves to our friends, family, and people we've seen in the street. We now compare ourselves to 0.2% of the population that are in really, 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 in our opinion, or in the person's opinion, good shape on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Because they're the people that post naked photos of themselves in in a sports bra and small shorts, in a vest tank top. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So our comparison is now against that, not against the average person. And that is a massive negative point in someone's mind because let's be honest if we as normal average people me and you are average people you know we're maybe a little bit above average in terms of physique but we're average yeah if we start comparing ourselves to 0.2 percent of the population on facebook we'll get depressed yeah. you know we're we're and people would and it's would it, say we're in great shape but if we compared ourselves to all those fitness models and stuff we would get depressed yeah it would affect us it, negatively it's crazy as well like you say not it's 0.2 percent of all these people we see online and fact of the matter is that the honest and truthful people are people who are outspoken who these people are in good shape they will tell you themselves that it's not it's not healthy to be at that percent of body fat these sort of physique models um there's, there's no shaming having body fat body fat has vital role in the body um that we use each day Absolutely. Um, and then being in this um this sort of way and this physique is like, like i said is um They'll say it for themselves that it's not it's not healthy to do that day to day. No, um, and w I had a bit of a chuckle. I can't remember who I was talking to, but just before coronavirus, when we knew we were going to be gyms were locked down, we we're going to be in isolation for X amount of weeks. I said, "Oh, you'll get a load of bodybuilders posting throwback pictures now, and fitness models pi posting throwback pictures because they won't post pictures of them now. No, because I guarantee they're not training as hard because they're training at home. They're probably not dieting." as hard because of different things. So they'll probably be just putting pictures that they used to look like from their shows. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee that's happened. I haven't looked, but I guarantee it has. And, and unfortunately, not all of them will be truthful, but most of them will be truthful and say, I only look like that for four weeks of the year. The pictures you compare yourself to as a normal human being who works a nine to five job, has two kids, you're comparing yourself to my four weeks of the year when I'm dieting down for a show and I'm at my leanest, when I can't concentrate properly, all I'm thinking about is eating food and what I'm gonna eat after the show's finished. Yeah. And that's what we compare ourselves to. Yeah. And that is really sad. Yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy times at the moment, but hopefully more sort of like what we're doing here and other sort of fitness fitness professionals are trying to basically not, not so much call call these people out because they, they can do as and what they want to do yeah and it's not but I've got nothing against fitness models and bodybuilders yeah, it's I just want them to be truthfully honest yeah. and let people know that look I only look like this for four weeks of the year although I post a picture of myself like it every week they're just pictures of my show and pictures of me from a photo shoot when I looked at my best yeah um, which sort of mo moves on to our next point um, is 
we we sort of idolize or some people idolize these people and see these as the perfect body um and is is there such thing as perfect you can't you can't chase perfection like you say we always we've got to a certain point we've we've lost so much weight we wanted to be a target weight which we hear from my clients all the time and i say but when you get to this target weight i say then what yeah um yeah you can't you shouldn't and you can't chase perfection you're you know you you're absolutely right, and I think people have to understand that from the start. So there's a guy called Brad Burton, Brad Burton, who's a, a businessman, and he wrote um, in his book, and he said it on a podcast with Jamie Alderton, and it always stuck with me. And he said when he was he wanted more, more, more when he was younger, growing his business in his twenties, thirties, and he said it was always a, the next size up TV. And he said he kept getting the next size. You get a forty-two inch, then he wanted a forty-six inch. You get a forty-six inch, then he wanted a fifty-two inch, etc., etc. And he said then he sat there one day in his final finished cinema room with a 100-inch TV, speakers, loads of chairs, and he sat there on his own. Yeah. Because he was always chasing more and forgot about all the important things in life or the other important things. And I think that's really important and a good message to people listening to this podcast is the human mind will always want more. We have to understand that because our mind, if you take our brain, it's a goal-driven machine. That's what it is. Therefore, it will always want more. So you have to understand that your body is always your brain is always going to slightly chase perfection and you have to cognitively mentally battle that slightly and be understand that you won't it will always want to do that and you have to understand that and, and not what and not sort of fall into that trap yeah because we have to battle that and we have to be really careful that you don't get caught in that more 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 yeah i suppose um like you say what one one person's perfect is going to be different to another person's um absolutely with different yeah. goals in mind um and like i said i don't think there's there's a such thing as perfect or at least like i said one person's going to be different to another's yeah um and then sort of feeling and looking good um do you get both at once and i, I touched on this on my instagram post recently um that i we done the fcf 10 challenge here our 10 yeah. week challenge in the gym um and although in my head I may have looked better at a certain point um, to when I started. I actually felt better before I started because I wasn't in a deficit. I wasn't as hungry, demotivated to get up and do my clients, train hard, being in that deficit. Yeah. And it's similar to what we said about when clients come into the gym and they set themselves a goal of a target, a target weight. I've had many clients come in and say, I want to hit this weight. And before they've got to that weight, they go, do you know what, Jack? I actually feel better now. Yeah, and yeah, they're yeah, yeah. Heavier, they may be like lighter. three pounds off their initial target, and they're like, "I feel fine now. Like, I'm yeah, happy." They're performing better. Yeah. They're sleeping better. They're motivated. They're getting up, getting out with the kids. You know, that they're, they're working. Their work-life balance is so much better. Absolutely, and this is a real good point. Coming back to what I said earlier about the the brain is a goal processing machine, and this is what we were talking about the other day. And you remember this when I say now is that when you get to this point and you are happy which i really hope that everyone finds at some point mm -hmm. you must change your goals to performance-based goals and me and you chatted about this the other day is most people are going to be listening to this and i can guarantee this right now so ask yourself seriously you've probably got a physique-based goal weight loss fat loss muscle gain it's something to do with your body this being bigger this being smaller whatever it might be and at some point when you are in a place where you feel happy you need to then change your goal to a performance-based goal. So it might be to get us to lift a certain weight on a deadlift or a squat, to do a 500 meter row time, to do a specific 5K time, to run a certain distance. It could be anything, but it needs to be related to fitness. 
which will then keep you training hard, but your training will transition to performance-based rather than always physique-based because then you're always just using your body as a measure, which at some point is good to get out of the habit of, I yeah, feel. For sure. For Do you sure. agree? Yeah, definitely, which um, I changed mine. I touched on this as well. We've touched on this many a times. Um, I've changed this to when I was doing the way of half, and it's, it's just nice to completely take your mind off how you look. Yeah. Um, because doing these performance-based uh, goals is eventually, like we said, going to drive you towards your sort of outcome goals that yeah. you have. Um, and always focus on the process yep. and not the end goal. Yep. A lot of the time, these end goals are sort of one-year goals. And if we're only focusing on that, it seems so far away. Absolutely. It's very hard to become demotivated and go, oh, you know what, sod it as such. Yeah. Instead yep. of focusing on the process, those weekly goals, um, the sort of two to three month goals that you can work towards. Um, but yeah, but I think it's very important, um, especially during this time as well. A lot of people now get out more active bikes, um, running as such. Um, it's perfect time to sort of step away from those appearance-based goals whilst everyone's sort of in the same boat. We can all yeah. only do the same Absolutely. stuff as such. Yeah, yeah. If, if people are struggling to hit a specific training intensity because they're training at home, then it makes sense to go, well, actually, I'm just going to focus on performance-based things rather than physique because I feel I can't train as well than I usually can in the gym. I think that's a great point. Um, and I think this, yeah, again, moves us swiftly and nicely on to our next point, which is the sort of fat-shaming, skinny-shaming sort of uh, unfortunate phase that we've found ourselves in yeah. on social media and through... The media as such newspapers mm -hmm. etc how, how do you feel on that um i think it is moving on for sure but sort of like you say when i've sort of been in the industry what's sort of coming up to two years now mm. personal training um i suppose you've sort of seen it from a wider view being in a bit longer than me but the, the sort of the fat shaming and skinny shaming as well we shouldn't always forget that um it works on both ends of the spectrum um is sort of becoming there's more people um sort of advocating for it now and it's sort of moved on through through the industry so you think it's you think it's coming good again now you yes, think people I believe are going so. away from it i believe so yeah i believe yeah. so how, how do you think no no i agree with you i mean um i think in the 80s 90s there was a lot more fat shaming i think if i go back to like my mum and dad's era yeah um and their um what do you call it there what do you call it Hey, I forgot that word. Their century and you know, okay, like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Which, but there's a word for it. So everyone on the podcast going, "You mean this?" Yeah. And me and you are sat <laughs> looking at, at each other with a blank. But um, their era, their people were a lot more fattest, yeah, thinnest, whatever you want to call it, and a lot more shameful on others for being overweight and obese. But because of education, people understand that there's a lot more than just overeating now there's a lot more to being overweight and obese than just you eat too much and you you're lazy yeah because that's what they would look at it as that's what my maybe my dad would sometimes look at it is when you know probably you know x amount of years ago i think but now i think people have been educated and there's a lot more to being overweight there's the mentality the psychology there's the the growing up and what these people have gone through growing up, which has then made them who they are, which has become an overweight individual and circumstance in their life that's taken them that way. Yeah. It's not just click and they were overweight or obese. Mm. And I think we understand that a lot more now. And we understand that there's huge 
um, you know, psychological conditions that come, you know, you know eating research. disorders. Yeah, there's more research come coming out as, as the years go on about this. I think it's always important to, to note now is that we've got we've got so much more available to us now, such as sort of you can get um, sort of like deliveries and these takeaways and yeah. um, different stuff. And it's always important to notice where we came from. I believe we're getting better. Um, but like you say, there's sort of, um, we're in a pandemic as now as such. Um, and you'd always say like obesity is a worldwide problem. Yeah. Um, so it's important to note where we've come from and how it's moving on. Um, but obviously we don't want this sort of, these obesity levels to sort of stay high as well and hopefully of all this sort of fat shaming and skinny shaming can move on with that yeah as us as coaches try to i believe that obesity rates the last couple of years have started to stagger as mm. in like not go up as rapidly as they were which is a really good thing but we have to remember that food's omnipresent now so we're never research suggests we're never a minute away from food now whereas you know when our mum and dad were growing up they probably were five ten minutes away from their nearest you know, food opportunity, whether it was a shop, whether it was a vending machine, whether it was, do you know what I mean? Like vending machines. I remember being at Way Valley School, which is my secondary school. And there were vending machines every year, everywhere, yeah. sorry. And I remember getting like these chewits from there and Mars bars in my break and stuff. Whereas probably when my mum and dad and your mum and dad were at school, that they probably couldn't do that. Yeah. Or that was just coming through. And if you go back before then, there would have been no vending machines. So these pr- things and the, the omnipresence of food is tough on individuals because we're so it's around us all the time so it's easier there but then there are a lot of good health food companies coming through now so you can get you know there's vending machines that you go past now that have very healthy based snacks in them so we're kind of going two ways there's that food becoming more omnipresent which is tougher for an individual to stay um to maintain a you know calorie maintenance calorie deficit but then there are better options now coming through as well. Yeah. So you can sort of look at it both ways for in that sure, sense. For sure. And the more sort of these things um, sort of stay around or obesity levels are higher as such, um, then in a way you can imagine just the sort of the fat shaming has more prevalence to stay around. Exactly. Um, but exactly. the more education like we try to do as coaches as well. Yeah. And this is, to move yeah, on from that. this is everything we do on social media, isn't it? We're always putting out stuff on social media saying, you know, we're lovers, not haters. Yeah. Um, and we really are we help we understand and we're we show empathy to every individual who is in any circumstance because of what they've been through yeah um and sort of moving on from that i've had uh, clients come in and they go oh jack i'm fat i only need to lose weight and such and i say you're not fat i say you have body fat mm-hmm. i have body fat yeah no, no one is fat they they just we have a different percentage of body fat yeah um and like you say i've had clients come come with me they want to get to a goal weight they, they're still sort of heavier before that, um, for example, and they're happier at that at that sort of goal weight. So in terms of the definition of happiness here, we've got is waking up and wanting everything you have already got, um, which I think a lot of us need to sometimes just sit down and just sort of say that and just mm. think, well, what is happiness to us? It's a beautiful definition, that, isn't it? Mm. Happiness, the definition of happiness is wanting everything you've already got. Take that in listeners just say that a couple times in your head while we just sit here and say it to me now it really is a beautiful definition and it's really important to understand and i remember listening to this whenever i did a couple years ago and it really hit me and was like oh that's a good point yeah so and you've got to think about you know what have you got that you're already happy about and maybe what what is it you really want that maybe you haven't got and then but do you actually want it or is it just you know is it just something you think you want but you probably actually don't yeah 
Um, and I think it's really important to understand that. Um, and, you know, it's coming back to that thing earlier where the human brain is going to always generally strive for more, but you have to control that and understand that what you're maybe striving for isn't actually something you want or you're willing to suffer for. What people achieve in life is often goes against what they're willing to suffer for. Someone who's willing to do a marathon or wants to do a marathon is willing to suffer the six months of training of doing long runs every week. Someone who's wants completes an Ironman is willing to suffer doing the cycling and the swimming alongside that. Someone who wants to become a doctor is willing to suffer seven years of study, same as a vet. Mm. Someone who wants to have 10% body fat has to be willing to suffer a calorie deficit for a long time, give up X amount of hours to training per week, not eat so many foods maybe they enjoy so much because they're high calorific and going to take them over what they need to be eating on a daily basis. So you always have to look at, this is where I want to be, but actually, am I willing to go to that point to be there? Yeah. And I think that's really important because we'll get girls and guys come to us all the time and say, I want to look like this or I want to be this percent body fat. And you go, do you? Do you understand how much you're going to have to suffer and how much you're going to have to prioritise and change in your life for you to get there. Because I don't think you're going to get there or you'll be happy doing that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's really important to understand. Sometimes people like the thought, but don't actually like the getting there. It's a really good example in a book I read lately. It was like, every person has had a pair of headphones on, been listening to a song, and thought, I'd love to be that person. Mm. I'd, you know, I'd love to be Bruno Mars. You know, how cool is he? But would I actually want to learn to sing and learn to dance and go through all that process? No. 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 <laughs> exactly. And I think that's you know a good analogy as such. Yeah. Um, like you say, that um, so moving on from that definition of happiness, we we've wrote down here that um, Arnold Schwarzenegger walked onto stage and still wanted bigger calves, and people would idolise him as a bodybuilder, yeah. the perfect bodybuilder. Yeah. And happiness to him was he had literally everything. Um, yeah, he he won Mr. Olympia X amount of times in a row and still walked on stage and went, oh, my calves aren't big enough. Yeah, and we, we would look at him and go, he's, he's got perfection. everything. Yeah. He's got everything. Yeah, he to us would, to a lot of people at that point, would have been perfection, but he wasn't to himself. Yeah. And, you know, and so was he happy? That's the that's thing. A, that's a question that only he can answer, but I'd it's, probably say no. Yeah, and it's very easy. We see people like in everyday life that come into the gym and we go, oh God, I wish I looked like Tim or... He, he, he must have the perfect the perfect life the perfect this yeah, yeah, when yeah. in reality the, these people when they break down their own lives or like you said you always want more you're always missing something um, it's very easy to get sort of misled with that yeah um, and just need to take take time out sometimes just realise what we have got something that James Smith a, a very good personal trainer and a, a, a big person online says and it's um, eating order eating disorders are easy to hide hide behind a six pack hmm and there's probably a lot of mental disorders that are easy to hide behind a very good in shape body. And that's that's very interesting because yeah. that's probably very true. Um, and there's another quote that I heard from someone else saying, overweight, uh, overweight obese people and fitness models, whether male or female, are very similar in that they're both over-obsessed with how they look and very uh, self-conscious. <laughs> yeah, They're both exactly the same, just two different ends of the spectrum. And personally, I would not want to or aim my clients to be at either end of the spectrum. No. I'd be aiming somewhere bang in the middle. 
where they can still live their everyday life, be a healthy body fat percentage, be free of disease and health conditions that relate to being overweight, obese and, and things that come from ba um, from not doing enough exercise and training, etc. That would be where I'd aim our clients to be at. Would you? Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. You know, for sure. I think we work with a very good good range of clients who come in here that everyday people as such and we always say us as coaches we're uh, not fitness freaks but we're we're passionate about what we do mm. um, absolutely yeah and, and that's it we're not fitness freaks and you know I, you know I've done a photo shoot you know shredded mm -hmm. and I say that with in brackets or cut for a photo shoot before and I was very honest I've done two huge social media posts and emails to our clients about it I've still got them saved and I sometimes send them out again about how it was mentally and physically going through that process and my friend always laughs because he said he remembers coming around um, to watch films and halfway through the film I'd stop the film and say I'm just going to cook an omelette what idiot <laughs> I know stopped halfway through a film with their friends around at their house and says I'm going to cook an omelette but I was in that mental state I was so focused on that end outcome that I'd done that. Yeah, it's That's crazy. pretty think. sad, isn't it? Yeah. But I wrote really honestly about it. And I wanted to give it my all. I purposely went into it thinking I'm going to give this my all to do this photo shoot. Whether it means getting up at silly o'clock and, and eating at silly times and, and, and sort of, you know, suffering not having these specific foods that I really enjoy. But I was only doing it for eight weeks. That was my goal. But I was very open and honest afterwards. And I said, I would not take many people through this process. Not unless they're in the same mindset as me as they knew it was only going to be short term. And that afterwards, they were very educated and knew that you know, afterwards I was going to put on a bit of body fat straight away again. And I was happy with that. But I wanted to do it. Um, and you've, you've done something similar before. Haven't you? You've done, done a photo shoot at the end. So you probably didn't get as lean. Yeah. But you've done something similar. S similar process, yeah. yeah. It's very, like you say, it, it does get... It's very self-driven, yes. um, and at times you're just thinking, I, I was also thinking, is it worth it? Yeah, absolutely. Is it worth it? Um, and then <laughs> I remember walking along the seafront at half four in the morning, because I always start work, or I, mean, I had a fit camp that morning at half five, 5.45, and we had to do fasted cardio X amount of days of the week, or we would advise to do fasted cardio, so we were doing X amount, and now I'd be like, why was I doing fasted cardio, you don't really need to do it, but yeah. at the time I was less educated, you know, mm -hmm. and I'll be honest. I'm on the seafront at like half one in the morning. They're still like drunks with their brown paper bags out. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, you're right, mate. <laughs> so I think we've touched on sort of um, a leaner or uh, someone of a lower body fat and their body image. And you've just said there that you think potentially a lot of people of a leaner body fat percentage are probably very similar to people who maybe yeah, have, have the same insecurities. Yeah. Um, and I think recently in the sort of press and on media now we're seeing plus size plus size models. Yeah, absolutely. Which, I just is, seen... bri which is brilliant to see. Yeah. Um, especially when um, it's more prevalent by these massive companies that are doing it, and it obviously it makes it allows people who uh, maybe of a similar, similar sort of body fat percentage to see the clothes that they're wearing, yeah. um, how they fit, um, and it's, it's opening the sort of sort of the bracket to people to see. There's many other people like this. Definitely. I definitely think it's a positive thing. And I remember seeing it first in one of the Nike stores, the one in London on Oxford Street, which mm -hmm. is a hell of a Nike store if you've not been there. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like six stories high. But I remember seeing them there first. And I know that Gym Pro, our sponsor, um, have now, I've seen they've been using plus size models now. 
I mean, I hope that's the right words to use. I think it is, isn't yep. it? Plus yep. size I models. I think so. Please, so yeah. I just want to get the terminology right. Um, but like we w we've discussed, and and we feel that although these plus size models are brilliant, they are a, a, a good thing definitely for the industry and and for females especially. But these plus size models are still in proportion. So if you look at the models that are being used in Nike and in all these different stores and online on photo shoots and stuff they're very in proportion plus sizes mm -hmm. and i don't know if that's the biggest i don't know if that's the way it should have been done we we discussed it before this podcast where wouldn't it be great if there were some models that were totally out of proportion because that's would be uh, that would a lot more people could relate to that a lot more females especially could relate to having very wide hips in comparison to their torso and chest for example yeah or vice versa and i think it would be good to see some plus size models that show that totally out of proportion look rather than using plus size models that are still very much in proportion Would yeah, you, for do, sure. do you agree for sure but like i i um when i first saw the plus one models i never really noticed this until you you sort of mentioned it yeah um, and then since obviously saying um it's brilliant that what they're doing, but when you you delve into it deeper and you yeah. do notice that, it there's still that there's still something. They've there. got that certain look, and their hips come out nice in there, and their waist waist goes in, and their chest comes out nice at the same size. It's all very proportioned, which isn't isn't what most people it's not are like. People, is it? No, no, because most people aren't in proportion. Everything isn't symmetrical. You know, that's totally not. A normal person yeah and this goes back to sort of um the body image and changing due to social media yes yeah. it's, it's happening but it's it's almost it's very gradual at yeah. the moment and, and they've tried moving the next step but when you delve in deeper to it it's it's almost they've gone to the next step but they put sort of a blockage in the way of that um where we we as sort of fitness professionals would like to see like you say everyday people yeah up there so then we can relate to them a hundred percent and say you know what for example, like me, I'm a, I'm a much slimmer build. I'm taller. I've got much slimmer, taller, um, longer legs. Longer levers. Yeah, longer levers as such. Um, and then I, we've we've put down here like stretch scars, stretch marks, body fat, marks on the body, um, imperfections, etc. I've put like bones as well. I remember when I was growing up, I was very very self conscious of uh, my clavicle bones. Uh, okay. I was very very slim as uh, when I was growing up. I used to play a lot of football. Um, and a few of my friends were always much bigger build to me, um, and I always used to hate sort of getting changed for sport because I always used to have very like protruding clavicle yeah, bones. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's very important to notice that a lot of people still have this, um, and you see a lot on social media. Um, a lot of these models potentially won't have stretch marks, or they won't be shown in these photos. Yeah, yeah. Um, and these are a lot of things that people are very self-conscious about. Um, and it's just important to notice that everyone has these. Yeah, these are the things that are edited out, isn't it? Really sadly, these are the things that don't make the front of the magazine. They don't make the person's social media Instagram feed. They don't, do you know what I mean? Yeah. My wife's got a scar on her forearm. I remember she was really funny about it not being in our wedding photos. Mm. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, that, I love you for who you are. Like, I'm getting married to you because of who you are. If, if your scar on your arm is in the wedding photos, that's still going on the wall and no one's going to edit that out. Yeah. Because in my opinion, that's you. And you're right, people are still very conscious of these different marks and different things on their body. And we've all got, but like you said, we have all this is, this is got what separates them. That's us the important from the other, 
from others. It exactly. makes us who we are. Yeah, do you really um, want to be like someone else? Mm. Like, absolutely not. Like, you, you know, we've all got these different... Hopefully these are all things that these big brands and um, we will start to see coming out more, and like you say, instead yeah. of them being edited out in these photos and, and videos, they, they, can, they can stay in. Um, yeah, it's going to cause a lot of body positivity for a lot of people. Absolutely, and until we can probably... I mean, I don't know, do you agree on this? Until we can educate younger years, there's still going to be a lot of this, surely, isn't there? Yeah. I think that's the worry, because at the moment, what's not being picked up is teenagers. So let's say we're doing this podcast now. If I looked at our analytics from last week's podcast and when and this week's podcast, the average age of people who are listening to this will be between 20 and 60, or maybe 25, 30, 60. And we're still missing those teenagers who are probably the ones that are probably the most um, self-critical of themselves. Yeah, and I think, like you say, Instagram, um, I knew what it was when I was sort of 16 up towards 20, but I didn't use it as much. If we now looked at the the numbers for that age group now, I can almost guarantee probably 80% are on Instagram yep. following these mass uh, um, loads of people on Instagram these like influencers as such yep. who are editing all of their photos yeah. you, so I, I see it uh, still online now um, people going oh, how can I feel good about myself when I follow this person Yeah, and it's we need to delve away from following these people and follow the people who are inspiring these people yeah, to, absolutely. to be themselves and this is quite sad actually there was a, a good thing the other day someone saying that unfortunately X amount of you know these social media um, people have you know millions of followers but they're not actually putting anything educational up mm. and then you've got the people like us putting really educational stuff up with a much smaller following and don't get me wrong we're growing all the time and that's not a knock at anyone because we're you know we are growing but it's sad that the people who are putting educational things out are slowly growing and the people who are just taking pictures themselves like you say and just because they look good you know with their phone pulled up sitting on the edge of the pool mm. <laughs> You know, or their top off, you know, with a with a chainsaw in their hand over their shoulder, are getting <laughs> thousands and millions of likes, um, and that does need to change in time, and I hope it will. Yeah. Um, f- fingers crossed. Anyway, does that lead us on to our last point? Our last. Have we been chatting for forty two minutes? We have. Listeners, I hope you're still with us. If anyone's <laughs> made it this far, congratulations. <laughs> last point. Last point. Yes, yeah, so we we've noted down. Obviously, we've talked about scars, stretch marks, body fat, and marks on the body. There, um, we have a large proportion of females who we train, um, and we say this when they come on our body tracks um, analysis sort of scales um, around the hips and waist, um, and they go, "Oh, I'm always carrying my body fat around there." And typically, males, females, will hold more body fat. They hold it in different places individuals yeah. will hold it in certain places you only need to walk down the high street or and see the different body types absolutely and not one is perfect um and you you've sort of had this this sort of fact out here that you've wrote down yeah. um is that females carry more body fat and because of this actually they lasted longer in the concentration camps because of it and on average females live seven years yeah. more than men exactly so that. to all of our female listeners who potentially think if they're married or they're looking at their husbands or comparing males to females, what would you say to them? Well, in theory, you should be carrying more fat than your husband or partner, in theory. So, and I think that's really important for a female to understand because like you say, they always think they need to be slimmer and carry less fat than their male counterpart, Mm -hmm. when actually it's the opposite. 
the female should in theory be at a higher body fat percentage. So that's the first thing to understand. I think that's really important. Two, because females have a higher estrogen level, especially those who haven't gone through menopause yet, they will always carry more body fat around the hips and upper thighs. So again, something to be aware of and something to accept. You can't spot reduce in that area and start doing specific exercises to get rid of body fat there. You have to accept that and that is you and that is being a female. And that is for childbirth, which is obviously a magnificent thing. And then three is exactly what you just said. You are gonna, on average, last seven years longer than your partner and and, and male counterpart, you know, on average. And you lasted longer in you know conservation camps because you had a high body fat percentage. So there's, you know, it's a bonus to your overall health as such. And I think that's a fantastic thing. And that should hopefully make a female. Those three points there should hopefully make females listening to this feel more positive about their body image. Yeah, and I think that that sort of helps us wrap that up. Is absolutely that massively. There's a difference between males and females. We've touched on the difference between people having higher body fat, lower body fat, and all these different body images, such as plus-sized models, um, people with lower body fat, like I've said, scars, stretch marks, marks on the body, imperfections, like I touched on my clavicle bones. Yeah. Was, we all have our own imperfections of this. Yeah. Um, and like you say, we've touched on, obviously, the Adele and the weight loss. Um, is there sort of the perfect diet that she's done? There's not sort of that perfect recipe hopefully we've we've touched on how we would do it with our clients um yeah and just sort of just wrapping it up that there is no perfect body image absolutely and i think that's where we wanted to wrap it up so finally i want to say well done to adele mm -hmm. first of all um but people watching and and looking at that transformation be aware of what we've spoke about in terms of having a very severe low calorie diet and the consequences of that potentially and like jack said those listening all those things all those different points we've gone through today are all to do with one thing and that's body image and you need to find happiness and your way of finding that is going to be understanding and being educated on these different things and hopefully we've gone through them today and they've they're going to stay in your head and help you understand being positive in your own body and that you need to not compare yourself to the top percentage in the world and be very aware that everybody's difference, every body is different, and be aware of those things, especially if you're female, that are going to be different on your body in comparison to your male counterpart. And I think that's wrapping it up for me. Perfect. So I'd like to say thank you for listening, guys, to episode two, which was the Adele transformation and body positive image. We've gone for 46, nearly 47 minutes this week. So we've gone another 17 minutes than last week. So hopefully you've lasted with us. If you've listened to this and you've enjoyed it and you think that someone else could listen to it and gain a lot from it, please, please, please get them to listen to it as well. And tag, share, like, comment on social media about our podcast because we're trying to get it out there, promote it and get it to more ears because we think it will really help a lot of people. Anything to, to wrap up there, Jack? I think you've, you've summed it all up. Just, just thanks for listening, guys. And uh, ready for next week. Tune in ready for next week, guys. Have a great week. Have a good day. Take care. Stay safe. See you soon.